You're listening to Pastor Mike Greiner of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania. We pray that you will be challenged today as you listen to a sermon entitled, God, Men, Women, and the Church, recorded on Sunday, November 26, 2017. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Let's join Pastor Mike as he preaches. Well, hello everybody. Um, we, we We have just a couple more weeks in our God, Man, and Woman series. Um, I think this week, I know this week, uh, next week, maybe following, maybe not, because we get to turn towards Christmas, a great season to turn to, the great invasion. Uh, As the song says, long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. If Jesus Christ has not come to the earth we fallen man live in helpless, hopeless darkness. So I know Thanksgiving's over. I saw a lot of people driving around with trees on top of their cars already. Um, and so it's time to celebrate Christmas. So let's, let's do it right this year. In a year of uncertainty and trouble and trial, light up the trees and let's, let's let the world know that uh, there is hope on this planet because Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth um, but we still have a couple more weeks of this one, and you may say, I, I, I started coming to the church after you started, and I have questions, or I, I have questions because I don't think you answered them all. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to have a panel discussion, probably on an evening in January. Um, the probably is the details, but we'll get the details ironed out. We already have lots of questions, but if you say, well, I still have some questions about man, woman, and God that I don't think you got to, um, you can text them to, ready, 724, that was the easy part, 567, that's easy, it's all in a row, 8192, 724-567, you getting that? Nobody's taking this down, are you taking this down anywhere? If you are, that's where you text your questions, if you want to know that number later, I'll give it to you after we're done using this for text questions all of us will, will use this phone number whenever we're filling out a form online that asks for our phone number, okay? It's just a freebie from us to you so nobody bugs you with a sales call. You're welcome. I guess that wasn't very funny, but it was to me. In my brain, I thought that's humorous. On my way back from the in-laws, I went to see the in-laws for Turkey Day, and um, they, they, uh, they live across the state. Why? I don't know. Why you wouldn't live in this nicer part of the state, but... They do. And so on the way back, I zipped into our Indiana campus. If you don't know it, we have four campuses, one over near Carn City High School, uh, one in Freeport, and one in Indiana. And I just stopped in, and uh, you guys in Indiana, I know you must be excited. It looks great. They have renovated, for all the rest who don't know, uh, we've like doubled our space over there. And there's just some beautiful rooms, which is good because our kids were were really stuck in small spaces. They were even, even after the church started, they would bring the kids out into the hallway and they'd have to teach in the hallway. Now they have rooms. It looks great. I'm thankful to God for that. Um, good stuff. And thank you to anyone who helped on that. I know it wasn't just Indiana campus folks. Well, that was all kind of preliminary stuff, wasn't it? You feeling loosened up? Okay, that was to get you over Thanksgiving. So are you over it? It's over. All right? It's over. It's done. Get over it and wait till next year. Shouldn't we be thankful every day? It's good to be thankful every day. What do people who don't have God, who are they thanking? Do you see the, the secularists, 
They're out there saying, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that. And I believe they are thankful. Do you ever want to say, well, to who? To who? Well, I'm thankful that out of the primordial sludge, we accidentally arose and gave me something I liked. Um, Okay, whatever. But we know there is a God who's good to everybody. I actually found myself giving thanks to God for the beautiful day it was where I was. Was it a beautiful day in the western part of the state yesterday? Because I wasn't here. I was in the Philly area. It was beautiful. And I found myself thanking God that he's so good that he gives this beautiful day to all these people who don't, many of them don't even love him. You know, the people of Philadelphia. People of Philadelphia, that's some rough folks out there. It's called the city of brotherly love. I'm not sure, you know, it's like, it's like the Princess Pride. You keep using that word. I'm not sure you know what it means. I don't. Be careful in the city of brotherly love if you ever go there. Or you might find something else. Okay, you ready for some more controversy? Am I getting any talking back today? You know, I'm filled with Thanksgiving turkey and I'm feeling a little of my color. My color, I'm not completely white, I got some color, so I'm feeling like I need some talk back, a little talk back today. Can anyone give me a hand? All right, yeah, yes, yeah, let's say it. Um, Wave your hand in the air, say amen. Are we ready for a little controversy? Ah, you guys are crazy saying amen to that. (laughs) Hopefully it's not too controversial. I just, this was the oddest thing, I didn't even think of this, this was not planned a year ago. On this Friday, the one after Thanksgiving, which is a very memorable one for me for reasons I'm not going into, I was in the text right before this text, which is odd. I didn't plan that. Um, For those who were here a year ago, um, you can, isn't that cool? It's amazing how God works things out. 1 Timothy 2, chapter 12 to 14, chapter, verse 12 to 14, that's where we're going. So if you have your Bible, open to 1 Timothy 2. 12 to 14, you can tell I'm all wound up today, which I take as God's timing. He must want you guys to really be awake. 1 Timothy 2, 12 to 14. Ready? You there? Did you open up your smartphone? Okay, turn off the candy crush then and candy crush or whatever it is and put it in the Bible. 1 Timothy 2, 12 to 14. Okay, here's our controversy. I do not permit a woman to teach or extra... Exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. That was controversial. That was kind con- I want you to know, it has been years since I remember saying to a woman, be quiet. Not because I'm a virtuous man, but because I love my life. For Adam was formed first, and then Eve... And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. I don't know why, but if you go to the Christian bookstores and look for some good Jesus junk with with verses on it, this one is never on a woman's coffee mug, and I don't know why. So we're going to tackle this one today. Uh, The issue is leaders in the church, specifically uh, really the position I'm in. What, what, what our culture would call a minister or a pastor, right? Um, which the Bible, I think, doesn't use either of those words for this position very much. Minister, I don't think at all. Um, uses minister very loosely. And pastor only really once as a noun. Um, it's really an, an elder, but it doesn't matter. Whatever you background you come from, it's the pastor of the church and those who are 
on a similar level to him. Can that person be a man? Can that person be a woman? Does it make a difference? And, and let's start off by saying it has nothing to do with talent. It has nothing to do with talent. There's no reason to think a man can speak better, read better, study better, manage better. So then our culture would say it makes no difference then. You should not discriminate and keep a woman out of that position. But our Bible text goes another direction. So we're going to tackle this. We're going to get a little bit into the weeds. You know, all these sermons are kind of different. Last week's, if you really like to talk about yucky sexual stuff, that was yours. You missed it. I'm sorry. I'm not doing that one again. This one, we're going to have to get in the weeds. We're going to have to answer some arguments and uh, really shore up what we know is true from the text. So um, I think I got four main points, and we'll just take them in order and see if we can stay together. Number one. Here, Paul is referring to the position of elder in the church. When Paul in verse 12 says, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, uh, he is putting together teach, exercise, and authority and over a man. That's how you need to see this. I don't want you to take a woman and put her in a position of authority where she manages and teaches the man with authority. There's only one position in the church that does that, and that's elder. The Bible only gives us two offices for the, for the church. No matter what, you know, I was born into a Catholic church, and that's a monarchical church. Uh, uh, monarch, arch, anytime you see arch or arch, it means chief, all right? Mon means one, <laughs> one chief. Who's the one chief of the Catholic church? Well, the Pope, but then he's got like cardinals under him, not the birds, but men who wear red. And not the football team, um, although they may do better than the football team. Then he's got like bishops, and there are, can be archbishops and all this stuff. Where's the Bible stand on all that? The Bible doesn't have any of those positions. The Bible only mandates two offices for the church. One is a deacon, and one is an elder. Of the deacon, we know almost nothing. The deacons have been very well developed, especially in the Baptist churches. But really, if you look at the biblical evidence, there's almost nothing that tells us what deacons are to do. The word itself means servant. So we need to assume that whatever deacons do, they're going to serve the church. The other, the other office is elder. The, there are Greek words not worth going into, but I'll use the ones that sound like English words. There's two of them, presbyteros, which sounds like Presbyterian, and episkopos, which sounds like Episcopalians. The word pastor is only used once, and really it's the word shepherd. It's used once as a verb also. We use pastor all the time, but really a presbyteros or an episkopos are words that are used interchangeably for overseer, manager, elder. And that is the only office Besides deacon, you have to have, and this is the one that has authority to do two things. Teach the scripture. Does this mean only elders can teach the scripture? No. The Bible actually encourages all Christians to teach it to one another, to admonish one another. The question is, is there someone watching for false teaching and making sure no one in the church is teaching other people in the church the wrong thing? And is there someone watching for complete teaching? making sure the whole Bible, the whole gospel is being taught. The authority of the Bible comes from the apostles, the 12 who followed Jesus, minus Judas, 
add Matthias, add Paul. For 13, I know it's weird, but that's the way God did it. Those guys have the authority to say, this is the New Testament gospel message, and the New Testament determines the way we interpret the old. They say what's authoritative. Paul came to to one point where he even said, look, if, if someone comes and preaches the word different than I do, let him be accursed. And then he even said, even if it's me, if I come and say, well, I didn't mean that. So there's an authoritative word. Who is the ones who are who who is the ones who are the ones responsible to make sure every church teaches those things and teaches them correctly? The answer is the elders. But then so other people can teach, but the elders are responsible for the teaching. Then there's also the management of the church. Churches need to be organized, they need to care for uh, one another, they they need to do mission and evangelism and bring the world to Christ. And that management is also tasked to the same office. In that case, they're to use the Bible and common sense to manage things. Because the Bible doesn't answer everything. It answers everything you're to teach. It doesn't answer everything when it's time to manage. Should we sit in rows of 10 or 12? Should we sit or stand? You know, should we sing facing forward or backwards. I mean, you use the Bible, but you use common sense also. Now, Paul combines these two elder functions and restricts them from women. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. The issue is you take a grown man and you do not put an elder over her. Or over, you do not put a female elder over him. That's what he's really prohibiting here. Right after this, Paul shoots right into the qualifications for an elder. Because some would say, no, he's not talking about elder. If he's not talking about elder, we've got a real mess on our hands. (laughs) Because then what is he talking about? But the context almost screams he's talking about elders. He said, in the church I want men to do this, in the church I want women to do this. And then he says this. And then after that, he says, here are the qualifications for an elder. He goes, this is saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, that's the elder, he desires a noble task. That comes right after. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, shouldn't talk too fast. Wait, it's not in there. But... He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for, the, for the, God's church? We're going to examine these texts later in more depth because we still have not forgotten that we have not finished 1 Timothy. We're going to come back to that in 2018. But for now, I just want you to notice three things about what I just read. One, Paul sees teaching about elders as the next logical topic to talk about. He says, I don't allow a woman to teach or have authority over a man. And then there's some verses. And then he says, but if someone is going to hold that position, this is what they should be like. So he's showing us that's his subject. The second is the qualifications of that elder focus not on talent, but on character. Mostly it's about character. It doesn't say he has to be a CEO. He's got to be good at his own business. He wants someone who's really good at running this and running that and someone who has a lot of influence. Um, no, it, it's, it has to do with, is he 
gentle or is he quarrelsome? Is he a lover of money? Um, and those sorts of things. And finally, and this is the main thing we should note before moving on, his main qualifier for elder is how a man leads his family, his home. How he leads his home. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how's he going to care for God's church? What, what two words are equivalent there? What two words are, the, are, are being used interchangeably? Household and church. In other words, you could say if, he's, if, he, if someone doesn't know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's household? If someone doesn't know how to manage his own family, how's he going to care for God's family? How many of you have been on a job interview and they asked you, how do you do managing your home? They don't ask that. They leave that completely out. They don't care. That's not the skill set they're looking for. But if you're going to be an elder in God's church, that's the skill set. You can often find leaders in, the, in churches that are bombastic, order-giving, dogmatic, just awful dudes who are just commanders. They're, they'd make a better drill sergeant, and they could be your pastor. But they may be good at commanding things, but if that's how they run their home, nobody at home is happy, are they? Management of the home and church require the same skill set. So that means that every local church should be managed by some of the good fathers and good husbands who go to that church. Not the good CEOs. They may be CEOs. They may not be CEOs. It doesn't really matter. They need to be like dads. It doesn't mean, look, I'm not your dad, all right? I'm your brother in Christ. and We're level. But, but when I make decisions or I'm part of a group of elders who make decisions, I need to think like everybody in here matters because that's how dads think. Dads don't think, well, you know what? Billy has been taking out the trash and Tommy's been cutting the grass. But Mitch, I'm thinking he's doing 25% of his chores. Mom, I'm firing Mitch. Okay, Mitch, you're out of the family. You know, that's not how dads think. That's how CEOs think. Man, we got this person, they help around here, this person helps around here. This one doesn't do anything, and then it could be a pain in the neck. Still valued. Still valued, because a church is like family. Caring leadership that submits to God is the what God wants to manage his church. Let me keep building this argument. Paul in Ephesians, what argument are you building, Mike? Let me be clear, that he is talking about the position of elders. Um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, Paul says this, and he, that's God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and then the shepherds and teachers, and that shepherds right there is pastor. That's where you find the noun pastor in the New Testament to refer to church leader. You're not gonna find it anywhere else. Uh, it is used by Peter as a verb. And he says, shepherd the church among you. So there's the pastor, right? The pastor and teachers. What do these five things or four things, I'm going to say they're four, but it looks like a list of five do. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. What do they do? They equip the saints. That's you people, you're saints. When I was a Catholic, I thought to be a saint, the Pope had to say you were a saint and you could be hung around the neck on a medal, like I had a St. Christopher one. Now I know from the scripture that everyone who knows Jesus is a saint, so I am having a St. Michael 
metal made. And I'll be selling them. <laughs> Patron saint of nothing serious. That's what it's called. That's a joke for my ex-Catholic friends. Um, the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of the Christ. So this says, says that all believers, your job is not to come and simply consume sermons. It is to build up the church, to build up the body. That's your job. Now, the people who are supposed to equip you are apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Now, the apostles aren't here. I went to Notre Dame once because my wife thought when we were on a trip home that it'd be nice to go to Paris. Men, don't go to Paris. Ladies, go to Paris. Take your friends. Um, what an awful city. It's filled with Frenchness and <laughs> museums and four and a half dollar Cokes. You know, is, I don't know, four and a half euros, even worse. But I saw the apostles. They're all at Notre Dame there. They don't call it Notre Dame and they don't play football. I don't know what good this place is, but it's got, <laughs> it's got all their statues. Okay, maybe if you go to Notre Dame, you have the apostles. We don't have apostles here. There were 12 plus Paul, all right? They have come, they have gone. Well, then how do we have the apostles? Answer, we have the New Testament. That's whose authority the New Testament was written under. That's why we believe the New Testament. It is the word of the apostles. The Bible says in Acts 4 that the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. We are to do the same. I'm supposed to be doing that here right now. That's why I'm reading you something an apostle wrote, and I'm talking about it. I'm devoted to it. So that's how they build. How about the prophets? The prophets here is likely not a reference to New Testament prophets, though some argue it could be, but this is likely a reference to Elijah and Isaiah and Daniel and all those people who wrote the Old Testament. We have them too. What about the evangelists? Evangelists are people gifted by God with just a burning passion to share the gospel. And all, I notice them scattered around, people like that, in churches everywhere. There's not as many as you like, but they teach the rest of us how to preach the gospel well. But there's no office of evangelists mandated anywhere in the New Testament. And then you have this last one, shepherds and teachers. And I'm saying those are connected because Paul is the same teacher and he's very consistent. He asks elders to oversee, which is shepherd, and to teach. And here he is saying, you've got a group of people known as shepherds and teachers. Their job is to equip you for service. This is the same consistent Paul writing to Timothy, who's in the same city, Ephesus, saying, I do not allow a woman to teach or have authority. To put it another way, to shepherd and teach the men. The men, the fathers of the church, if you will, fathers like this, we're not fathers, we're brothers, but the fathers of somebody or the husbands of somebody out there become elders, and then they manage the church. You should not come and take the wife of an elder, make her the elder, and sit him down and put him under her, even though at home he is to be the protector, provider, and head of her. You don't reverse it in the church. Is everybody with me? Oh, thank you. A little talk back. You're doing good because I know this is getting a little bit um, busy because we're, we're, we're building an argument and we're anticipating arguments. Number two, the, this command, the command not to, to put a woman over men in the church, 
uh, in the position of elder is not based on the situation of the culture, but on creation of humanity and of the fall of mankind. Some people say this prohibition's outdated. It was just for Ephesus in the first century. Don't you know they used to worship a female goddess and all the women of, uh, of Ephesus were uppity women. And I'm not kidding. The argument comes down to that. They were bossy. They were pushy because they were in the habit of that from when they had their false god. Now that they have the true god, dang, they're still bossy. Has he met the 21st century feminist? I don't know. I think that's the same. And there's people who make all kinds of arguments to say Paul was only talking to the church of Ephesus. He wasn't talking to us today. The trajectory of scripture is different from that. And I'm not going to get into those arguments because the text, it's, I will on that panel if you want, but here I'm going to say the text solves the issue and washes away the idea that this command was just for Ephesus when it says this verse 13 for Adam was formed first then Eve Paul is saying the reason why you are not going to put the women as elders over the men is now you tell me is this a local first century reason because at the beginning of time God created Adam first he's tying the prohibition to the order of creation That's not culturally bound. That's not time bound. That's for as long as humans are humans. And then he goes on, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. I bet you some of you can't wait till I get to that verse. I can. I can wait. (laughs) I could wait forever. (laughs) But the the question, this could be placed in question and answer form. Paul, um, can, can women hold the position of overseer in the church and govern the men today? Paul says, no. You know, why not, Paul? Um, it Wasn't it just the, the women of Ephesus who were particularly troublesome? And he says, no. I didn't say anything about women being troublesome. <laughs> See, Paul's smart. He's not going to say that. <laughs> Even in my imaginary Paul. He says, rather, I said because when God made the world, he made Adam first. It's like, who are we to insult the women of first century Ephesus? For all you know, they were fine women. Then he made Eve. And since he made Adam first, the woman should not be placed above the man. And he made a second argument. He said, it wasn't Adam who was deceived by the serpent, but the woman. So the command stands today. And I know you'll see many churches, many Christian churches, whole denominations, who will say, what? I once was having a conversation because I was in an American Baptist church. I was the pastor. And the American Baptist denomination, if you're not a Baptist, you may not realize there's a lot of different denominations that are called Baptists. It's not just one big glob. And the American Baptists, they, they're big on promoting female pastors. And so I was talking with the head of it, who was the head of the New Jersey one, who later became the president, the grand poobah of the whole show. And, and, and I said, can we talk about this from the scripture? And he said, we will never revisit this issue. You know, which is his way of saying, look, young punk, <laughs> You're wrong, and it isn't worth fighting about. And I know you're going to run into that. People who are saying, what I'm telling you the Bible says is wrong. To which my first and most important argument is this. Read those verses yourself. I'm not trying to get you to defy gravity or be creative. You read them. What do they say? I'm making the argument but I'm appealing to your reason and your intelligence. What does Paul actually say? 
You can always come up with really clever arguments if you want something to say the opposite of what it says. And people always will. But truth cuts like a knife. Male male headship depends on the creation order. In 1 Corinthians, we see a very similar thing when talking about husband and wife. 1 Corinthians 11, 3, and then 8 and 9 says this. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of wife is her husband. The head of Christ is God. The argument that Paul makes is, for man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Paul is teaching us that the creation order was not arbitrary. That that God making Adam first and pulling uh, Eve out of the rib mattered in a leadership way. Now Paul is saying this. I've heard two arguments to this. One said, well, he made the animals before he made Adam, so does that mean... That, that, that the animals are the boss of Adam? To which you can only say, you're not really good at debating, are you? I, I don't want to be insulting. But this is, uh, this is obviously limited to man and woman. He wasn't talking about, I mean, he made the sun before that too. Try to take orders from the sun, that, that, that's just silly. But the argument that I think is the most pernicious and ugly that I hear Christians make, and I've heard it many times, is, well, I just think Paul is a little off on some things. I have once heard one woman teach that she said, I really believe the Bible. I do have some bones to pick with Paul, but otherwise. So they, they pick the writer. Look, either the Bible is the Bible or it's not the Bible. Either it's true or it isn't true. And, and if you're going to pick one person to not be true, don't pick Paul. Because he wrote more of the New Testament letters than anyone. And his buddy Luke wrote more of the New Testament words than anyone. Because he wrote Luke and Acts. So if Paul is in error, then the whole Bible is not worth basing your faith on. So Paul is very consistent here. You see a consistency with him when it comes to home and church. He thinks that leadership, that, that, that the sex you are matters. And that the order of creation matters. I do want to deal with verse 14, so let's deal with it. When it says Adam was, it's easy to say to you ladies, Adam was created first, then Eve. Because it's obvious that that God made Adam from dust, right? And he made you from Adam's rib a better cut. You're obviously more valuable, you know. But when we get to this one, it it can sound downright insulting. But this is the argument, and you really want to know about verse 15, but you're going to have to wait till we get back to 1 Timothy. I can't cover everything today. It says, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. What does that mean? Well, we remember back in the garden, Satan chose to tempt, not Adam, but Eve. He didn't go after Adam. He went after Eve. It was like a Black Friday shopping event. Did God really say you can't eat that? Yeah, well, have you looked at it? The Bible said she saw that the, that the fruit was beautiful and, it, and, it, and it, it, looked, it looked like it would taste good and it would make one wise. And so she was looking at the features, so she bought it. And so why does it say, because Adam was not deceived and the woman was, that, Adam, therefore, that therefore men should be the elders in the church and not the women? Okay, one interpretation of that is that it's more, this is not my interpretation. I say that so that 
No one starts throwing stuff at me before I get to the end. One interpretation of that says that women are more easily deceived than men. You can boo and hiss if you want. I don't mind. I don't think that's what the scripture, he, he, he doesn't say that. <laughs> he doesn't say that's the reason. He says the reason is that she was deceived, not that women are more easily deceived. I do not believe that women are more easily deceived than men. I, in my own experience, we all can be fools and be deceived. Um, it may be argued that on certain things, women are more easily deceived, and on certain things, in general, men are more easily deceived, and that may or may not be. I don't know. But this, and if that's what it says, by the way, I don't mind. Whatever God says, fine with me. I don't think that's what it says. Because I don't think that stands up to reason. So then why the deception? Another possibility is that the devil knew what he was doing, and as a usurper, he went after her instead of the leader. So she would usurp him. So, so Satan determined, I'm going to usurp the woman, and the woman's going to usurp the man. I'm not going for the head. I'm not going, I don't want to talk to him. And... Um, and so that you have this strange dynamic where the woman is in cahoots with the devil, in a way, to help make Adam fall. Who's responsible for the sin in the Bible? Adam. Adam. It's always called Adam's sin. It's never called Eve's sin. Here it says she was a transgressor. But if you read the Bible, it's always Adam's sin. Because he's the head. He's in charge. And whoever's in charge is responsible. So he's responsible for the whole thing somehow. But he was usurped by the devil. Now, I don't, for me, that makes as good a sense as anything. I think the other reading doesn't make sense because I don't find women more gullible than men necessarily. They may be more gullible to some things and men more gullible, but even that, I'm not smart enough to figure that out. I do know I find it very insulting, don't you guys, when you're talking with a salesperson who thinks that he's going to turn to your wife and pick at her and ignore you because he can get her? Has that ever happened to any of you guys? It's happened to me, and it was a car salesman. And I, I like car salesmen. My brother's a car salesman. I didn't like that one. What about you, Mrs. Griner? Let's talk to you. Like, like... Maybe car salesmen think that women are more easily deceived. At least that one did. I found it insulting to my wife. In any case, I'm not going to try to take the difficulty off that verse. I don't know exactly what it means. But I do know it means this. It's a reason why women aren't supposed to be elders today. And it's not culturally or time bound, is it? Because that whole garden thing happened thousands of years ago. That I do know. Because Paul says, for this reason, do not put the men under the women. Okay, you still with me? All right. Three, the leadership restriction is the only one given clearly in the Bible to women in the church. Now, there are people who argue with me on this. There are only two offices, I said, mandated, elder and deacon. And I am saying to you that as far as I can see in the text, only elder is restricted. When we teach on deacons, when we get back to 1 Timothy, we'll go into more detail. For now, I want you to know that at Harvest Community Church, we have lots of deacons, and many of them are women. I've got no problem with that. 
because we are not requiring them to hold the position of elder and authoritatively teach or authoritatively oversee or manage. The things prohibited to them is not in deacon. And not only are they only prohibited from being the elder, they're free to minister in the church in every other way we can think of. Harvest has about 24 elders. The way we look at elders is some of them do it for a living. We call that a vocation, vocational elders. Some of them do it, do something else for a living and take their extra time to help with the job of shepherding and organizing the church. So I think, I don't even know how many elders. I said 24, there could be a few more. I didn't count before I came up here. Um, The majority of them are non-vocational elders. They're fathers and husbands, some of them in this room. Every other, every, every other man who's not an elder is also denied that position. I don't point that out to say, ha, 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 ha. I point it out to say, women can do almost anything in the church except that position. And most men can do almost anything in the church except that position too, because they don't have it. It's, um, there's a lot of freedom um, there, there's talk, if you don't let women be the pastor, you're denying their gifts, you're denying their calling, you're trying to keep a sister down. And here I had to hold my wife back. Because <laughs> if I get her on the panel, I'm going to put her on the panel because she'll be fun. Because she gets, she, she goes places I don't go. But she's a woman, and she says, Why are you grasping, ladies, for the one thing you're told you can't have? Why is that what your focus is on? Maybe that's what Paul meant when he said, she, you know, Satan said, go for the one thing you can't have. And she gets all hot at women. She's tough. Don't mess with my wife. Not just because you'll be messing with me, but she'll take you out before I show up. Women, God doesn't want to keep a sister down. He wants them to be free and operate in the church in every possible way. It's only one position being withheld. And if you know anything about Harvest Community Church and the way we work it out in practice, the elders do not do most of the work. Not the vocationals and not the non-vocationals. It's just... If you look at the service you're at at Indiana, Freeport, PVC, or right here in Catanning, the one we're standing in, sitting in, a couple of elders are busy. And all those other dozens of people who are making everything go are not elders. So I don't think there's any oppression here. Um, I can't do anything but listen to sermons. Well, we have a lot. We have a list of things you could do. <laughs> anyway. Fourth, male leadership in the church is consistent with the broad view of the New Testament and the entire Bible. And here we've got to get into a fight with people who may not be here, but we've got to fight this fight. Some people argue that the New Testament shows women in positions of leadership as elder or even greater than elder. Some people make that argument. And they make that argument. I'm going to give you the, what the whole argument is made of in, in the New Testament. On, on Phoebe, Junia, and some female prophets. And that's it. They don't have anything else. They will imply Priscilla, who's with Aquila, her husband, who aren't even said to have an office, but they do ministry together. 
And um, they may, they may imply Lydia because the church met at her house because she was a businesswoman. There's nothing wrong with being a businesswoman. And the church met at her house, but there's no evidence of them being elders. So they go to Phoebe, Junia, and some female prophets. And, and what they'll do with people who don't read their Bibles, so you should read it yourself, is they'll just list off these people that I'm listing really fast and say, there. And you go, wow, that was pretty convincing because you don't read your own Bible. It's only convincing if you don't know the Bible. So let's take them in order. Let's begin with Phoebe. Very few people name their kids Phoebe anymore. It's a good Bible name. I commend to you, Paul says in Romans 16, 1 and 2. It's the last chapter of Romans. He's saying, bye-bye, see ya. He's at the end of the letter, right? This is his goodbyes. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of Centria. Centria, Centria, that place with a C. That you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Now here's the argument. Phoebe is passing through. She's a servant. The word servant there is diaconess, a deaconess. So it's the office of deacon being said there of, the church, of another church. Help her in the Lord. I've heard some people make Phoebe equal to elder or pastor. Because they just quickly say, well, deacons can sometimes preach, so therefore she was the preacher. And they just leap all over the place. Okay, let's just stick with the text. It says servant. Is that the office of deacon? It might be. But I've already said I have no problem with a female deacon from the scripture. I don't see where that's a problem. Some people do think it's a problem. And we can discuss that when we get to 1 Timothy. I don't see that in the scripture. But we don't even know for sure she has the position of deaconess because the same word means servant. It seems like what she did was she had cash. She has been the patron of many of myself as well. She literally helped needy workers like him. I was broke. (laughs) I'm out there doing my mission stuff and she laid some coin on me. So he said, help her out. She's awesome. (laughs) I guess I'd say that too. In any case, there's nothing in the text that indicates elder. Nothing. There's not the word presbyteros. There's not the word shepherd. And there is not the word episkopos. Next is junia. Also, same letter, just a few lines down. Greet Andronicus and junia, my kinsmen and fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles. Now, apparently they're in Rome. And they were in Christ before me. They were Christians before me. Who is Andronicus and Junia? We don't know. Nobody knows. They could be a husband and wife. Or they could be two men. Junia, there are huge arguments or huge articles that you can read arguing over whether Junia is a male or a female word. A male or female name. And I've read a lot of them. After a while you glaze over and you realize this is just one big fight over whether that's a male or a female. I'm going to say... I don't know, but let's act like it's a female for the sake of strengthening the opponent's argument. What he says about them is that they're well known to the apostles, the way some translations say they're outstanding among the apostles. What is argued is, therefore, they are apostles. Junia is an apostle and she's a woman. The text does not say she's an apostle. We're not even sure it says she's a woman, in which case I should call her he. He. <laughs> She's not one of the 12. I've read the lists. So even if she was some sort of apostle, that means messenger. Maybe she's a messenger. 
But I've read the list of apostles. She's not one of the 12, and she's not Paul. And more likely, the language itself simply says, it's more, I think, straightforward, interpreted, the apostles know who she is, if it's a she. Apostles know Andronicus and Junia. They respect them. Heck, they were Christians before you were, Paul. So you respect them. Again, it's just weak gruel to say that's an argument for a female apostle. Finally, the women who prophesied in the book of Acts. And here they are, Acts 21, 8 and 9. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Okay, the office of prophet is never demanded in the New Testament. In other words, you won't find a New Testament letter saying, make sure you have an office of prophet. We never see, as an example in the New Testament, any people called the prophet of the church. (laughs) Prophecy in the New Testament is normally a spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit gifts it to whom he will. There's no restriction on women. There's no restriction on men. There's no restriction on age, even. Because in Acts 2, we see from Amos, he says even children can do it. If the Holy Spirit chooses to open up your mouth and have you prophesy, that doesn't mean you have the position of elder in the church. So again, that argument is very weak. Jesus chose 12 men to be his apostles. 12 men. Um, There's a consistent male leadership pattern Jesus chose 12 men. The Bible says when the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, it will have the the names of the 12 apostles written right on the walls. It will also have the names of the 12 sons of Israel. It's going to have 24 names, and they're all going to be male. Does this mean God doesn't love women? Of course not. (laughs) won't have my name. Unless I am allowed to use spray paint in the new, in heaven, then maybe I'll just put it up there. <laughs> Be like Peter and Mike. <laughs> Smiley face. <laughs> Kilroy was here. God has 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 instituted masculinity and femininity, and in the way He applies it in the family, He makes church like family. So it doesn't mean that a woman can't be your boss at work or your mayor. Or your mom. Moms are bosses. But in the family, if there's a husband there, he's to, to take that responsibility. And in the church, it's like family. Um, a, a big mess has been made in this. Churches die. Churches, you know where most women pastors end up? They end up in small dying churches. They can't get it someone else. And it, it, why is this? I don't know. You know, you have some of these big ones on TV that, like Joyce Meyer and whatnot, and they can, they're really good public speakers. But I have a theory that I'm just going to throw at you. It's an observation. If you have good men, they'll be good to everybody, and men and women will follow them. You could have a good woman try to lead a church and the men will go like this inside 
Why do we do that? Ladies? I don't know. I really don't know. It's, it's almost in our being. I know this is controversial. It's not hate. It's not hate. It's not looking down on. It's not thinking she's less smart. It's not thinking she's less educated. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's, it's I don't know. <laughs> when you put a bunch of men together, they will figure out which one of them is in charge. I don't care if they're 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 80-year-olds. You can go over to McDonald's. There's always a bunch of old guys out there drinking, up there drinking coffee, maybe some of you. I guarantee you, if you talk to each one of them separately, you say, which one of those guys' voice is the loudest? And I don't mean loudest, but whose opinion always carries the day? They know. You get a group of men playing backyard football, they know who gets to choose to be quarterback. You add one woman and everything gets weird. I am not kidding. There's just dynamics that God built into us as men and women. We all have our roles to play. And in the church, you know, the, the elders should be people who have the, they're supposed to love the women in the church like they're their sisters or their mothers or their children. Well, if you're a good man, that shouldn't be threatening to anybody. And uh, this, is, this is the way of God. God rules the universe and calls himself Father. Now, he's not a biological creature, so I think it's silly to say he's male or female. But he does say, refer to me as he and his father. And he sent his son, and he uses the language of masculine language, son, to the earth. And says, this is the Lord of all. To which you can say, well, how come it ain't a woman? (laughs) You're not, I don't know, he didn't. But then he says, and guys, you're going to have to toughen up on this one. No whining. He says, the church is the bride. So, so men, somehow you're folded into the feminine there, so uh, no, no complaining. You look kind of cute in a wedding dress. The wedding dress of the Lord, the church. I don't know how that works. The church is the feminine. Jesus is the masculine. God is the father. That's the way he made it. There is an effort going on today to erase male and to erase female, to erase masculine and to erase feminine and to say to anyone who says they need to be maintained and promoted because it's a deep, deep, deep magic that we are bad people. But we're not bad people. (laughs) We're just following the book. And the book is good, isn't it? Can I get that witness on that? And if you have not yet come to know Christ as Savior, let me tell you what the husband did. <laughs> Jesus died for your sins to wash them all away so that God could open an adoption agency and adopt you as his son or daughter. That's why we're all here. We believe in Jesus. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.